0: I'm Avery Smith of the Rock Candy Podcast Network, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi faith podcast of transgender stories. Hey y'all, I hope you're doing all right and finding time for rest and community as June hustles by. Before getting into today's main topic, I have some wonderful news from one of Blessed Are the Binary Breakers' earliest guests. Adam Richards came on the show all the way back in early 2019 to talk about their own life and about their denomination, the United Methodist Church, or UMC. Directly after our conversation back then, the UMC sadly made the decision to strengthen their ban on same-gender marriage and same-gendered partnered clergy. But that sad fact is not the end of the story. Adam is among the Methodists who have been fighting back against that decision from within. Adam's recent email to me about how their own call is shaping out brings me particular hope about the UMC's future. Here's what Adam wrote to me about their journey since our conversation in February 2019. Since that time, I have been certified as a candidate for ministry in the UMC as an openly non-binary, trans, bisexual, and partnered queer person. As far as I know, I'm the first in my jurisdiction, South Central, North Texas Conference, for many of those identities to make it this far, openly anyway, as well as in the U.S. South. Could not have got there without your podcast uplifting trans people of faith and getting me through the dark moments, such as the General Conference back in 2019. I am so happy and excited for Adam, and I can't wait to see where the Spirit continues to lead them. It's also good to remember how powerful sharing our stories with one another can be. I share Adam's experience of being emboldened to continue by hearing how other trans folk have done the same. That is why solidarity and community are so vital. To that end, Adam says that they would be happy to talk to anyone in need of advice on the UMC ministry process. If that's you, contact them at adam at Thank you, Adam. Okay, on to our main topic. What you are going to hear today is just a little snippet of a longer conversation I had with my good friend Laura on their own podcast, Autistic Liberation Theology. Laura is just about my favorite person in the world to talk to because we share so many passions, such as autistic and trans theology, and it seems that every time we talk, we both come away with new insights and ideas. It was great to finally get one of our conversations recorded so that you all can hear it too. The whole episode, which I will link to in the show notes in case this tiny clip gets you wanting more, focuses on the concept of masking in the autistic community with parallels in the trans experience and also in how God presents themselves throughout scripture. If you don't know what masking is, fear not. Laura explains it well, right at the start of the clip you'll hear in a moment, right after you hear about another show on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Andrew. And I'm John. Our show, Magnified Pod, is the only podcast that discusses culture, religion, politics, and deep dives into the
1: discographies of the bands that shaped a generation of 90s youth group kids. Check out Magnified Pod on the Rock Candy Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. For you who don't know what the, word, what the term masking describes, it is basically um, living in a society in the world that's where the majority is non-autistic, where the majority is even neurotypical and having to perform in a way that doesn't get you hurt, that doesn't get um, that kind of translates for the rest of the world um, that accommodates the rest of the world and mostly that um, this masking is not voluntarily and not even um, conscious, but um, right. like deliberate. But it is kind of a survival mechanism for um, neurodivergent, especially for autistic people, to survive in a world that is hostile towards how we really are and how we would really present and act and behave and talk. Mm-hmm. And that is something that harms autistic people that cause um, that cost a lot of energy and a lot of resources um causes damage and uh is, is really um painful and when people find out about masking they realize they often can't really stop because it's a survival mechanism and it's a right. trauma response and it's too ingrained um and to take off the mask before covid was kind of an autistic hashtag right that has changed <laughs> now a bit yeah. because we don't want to send mixed messages about uh Covid protection
0: right do you, yeah keep keep your literal mask on, yeah take off your figurative one,
1: <laughs> yeah, and so this experience of not being able to be ourselves, we will try to maybe parallel with being queer, especially in like in this podcast, being trans mm-hmm. and being uh, not not being able to be ourselves uh, express who we really are, mm hmm because the outside world is hostile and um, so to be in the closet or to accommodate the surrounding world um, can be the only survival mechanism and also we want to um, look at the power dynamics that if of course if we are in the minority and we are mm-hmm. in a hostile environment that we are forced to use those mechanisms but those mechanisms can if we're in an environment that is safe for us, and that we are, uh, we trust people, and still there is kind of this gap in understanding because when, for example, when we're autistic and we want to make connections with allistic, with non-autistic people, that we still might have to mask as a as a mode of translation.
0: Right. But yeah.
1: that can that this if it's not forced, but it's kind of done out of the desire for genuine connection and relationship can be done out of love and out of caring and out of breaching the gap. Yeah. That we would we would kind of love the counterpart or like the, the people in that relationship, uh, the alistic people, to also do their part and try to...
0: Yeah, to meet us halfway. Like if we're going to be doing that work, they should also be making an effort um, to connect.
1: Yeah. And the the adventurous theological approach we're going to take (laughs) is we're going to try to talk about biblical stories, biblical narratives, where autistic people, trans people, queer people see themselves and their struggle to be understood, their desire to be seen, but also their need to translate themselves um, like reflected in those biblical stories. And especially when um, those stories talk about how God accommodates humans yeah. because God can't be understood fully but craves relationship with humans and so kind of uh, selects elements that are like like forms of presentation that can be understood and that can change and also stories where, where we see where we discussed it and saw so Jesus having to accommodate his friends and his disciples and right. about the, the love and care and the um, mentory teachery element of that, but also the friendship right. the craving. Yes. Can you, can't you just make it easy for me once element of <laughs> yeah. the frustration of, yeah. of being the one who always has to explain and to translate. Exactly. And yeah, yeah we we going to discuss This idea of God as the ultimate other, where Avery has a wonderful quote.
0: I think that's a great place to begin, even before the scripture, just to sort of help people understand what, what we mean when we say sort of reading God through an autistic lens and a trans lens and how... It's not necessarily saying that, you know, God is themselves trans or autistic, because God is beyond all human gender labels and, and, and neurotypes and all of that. And yet God is really the ultimate other, the way we are often othered by our society. And Joy Layden describes this idea really well in her book, The Soul of the Stranger, A Transgender Reading of God and Torah. Um, She talks about how when she was a child um, who was assigned male at birth, but, but never felt like being labeled that fit her. Um, so sort of being forced to be a boy, kind of masking, right? Pretending to be a boy because that's what everyone thought she was. And feeling super isolated in that. Um, but when she read the Torah um, as, a Jewish, as a Jewish person, she saw that God had similar experiences where God also was sort of viewed and truly is the ultimate other, the ultimate stranger. Um, so she said that um, like as a child, she realized God God was also so different, too strange for human beings to relate to. And that sort of made her feel less alone. So here's the the passage where she explains sort of that attempt of on God's part to make relationships in the Torah. So in the first five books of the Bible um, and just the difficulty. People who come out as trans in a traditional religious community are often treated as strangers, even by those who have known them all their lives because they no longer act in ways that make sense in terms of binary gender. Similarly, the human rebellions and divine rages of the Book of Numbers make it clear that even after decades of wandering with God in their midst, to the Israelites, God remains a stranger a deity whose feelings and actions make no sense to them. Perhaps that is why God repeatedly commands the Israelites to accommodate and include the stranger who dwells among you, the non-Israelites who embrace the Israelite community as home. For God, the inclusion of those we see as different is not a disruption or a distraction for religious communities. It is an essential religious practice part of making a place for the ultimate stranger, God.
1: That's really, really cool. I really like that idea. That kind of God's empathy is completely with people who experience that same, like, that feeling of not belonging and that um, God's commandment of, of, of making people comfortable comes from, from an understanding of how that feels. Exactly. I, I really like that, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's sort of this idea, something else uh, Joy Layden says is, God truly is the ultimate other, right? Where God truly is not a human being among us. Mm-hmm. So if we, if our faith communities can learn to accommodate God, who truly is so strange to us, surely we can figure out how to accommodate one another, fellow human human beings who are different from us, But not so different right that also have a lot of commonalities um so yeah so people who are are different to us based on um gender or race or neurotype or culture um surely if we practice fitting god into our spaces we can also learn how to fit one another
1: that is uh i have no idea which gospel that is and where like but it is Jesus saying, how can you claim you love God who you can't see when you can't love your brother who you can see?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So should we start with uh, the Bible passages that we've chosen?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll start with um, the first one. It's from First Kings chapter 19. It's where Elijah, um, the prophet, has angered Jezebel and other leader Ahab. I think other leaders who want him dead. And so Elijah has fled into the wilderness from these enemies, and basically is ready to die. He asks God, like basically, God, I've done so much for you. I am exhausted. I feel helpless. Can I can I be done now? Can I just die? And God's response is to send an angel to feed Nap. um Elijah. He, an angel who says like, eat, drink, and then you can go back to sleep. And so Elijah sleeps more. And then Elijah keeps on traveling, um, being sort of fed for the journey by this food and drink from God. And here's the the reading, starting with verse 9. Elijah came to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Holy One came to him, and God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, i have been very zealous for the holy one the god of hosts for the people of israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and slain your prophets with the sword and i even i only am left and they seek my life to take it away and god said go forth and stand upon the mount before the holy one and behold the holy one passed by and a great and strong wind rended the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before the Holy One, but the Holy One was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Holy One was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Holy One was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him, and it said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah, I'm going to skip over this, paraphrase it. He repeats what he said before about how hard he's been working and how people seek to take his life. And this time, the Holy One says to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and basically, you know, continue your mission, your ministry, um, and that's the end of that.
1: I really, really like that story.
0: Me too. One of the first things I want to say before sort of asking for your input is just a little something about the Hebrew. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And if you, if if there's a way if there's a sort of common way this is translated into German, I'd be interested. The, the still small voice, right? That, mm-hmm. that when Elijah hears it, Elijah knows, oh, that's God. God wasn't any of those big, powerful things. God is the still small voice. That's how it's usually translated in, in English. But the Hebrew more literally says, um, a voice, a thin whisper, so instead of a still small voice there's there's that word thin that adjective thin instead of like the small the word small um thin kind of throughout the the Hebrew in the Bible is also used to mean like um fragile frail for instance in the Joseph of Genesis story when they're talking about that that dream where there's the fat healthy cows that eat up the sickly thin cows that word thin is this word thin ah. And then there's another place where um I think somewhere in like the prophets or some some poetry talks about a fine frost, so that idea that frost is going to melt soon right it's it's frail it's transitory, and so the idea that God comes in a voice that is like a thin frail whisper
1: yeah
0: is is interesting there the
1: um I just remember the german word that is used in um uh, we we we've been singing this in our choir and that the word um the translation is used there is soisen and that can be wind going through kind of uh, grass or something like a melodic thing almost oh, like like like
0: yes like that wi- that whispering rustling sound
1: it has kind of yeah. a, a, like a, a melody element almost
0: oh that's beautiful i like
1: that i like the idea that i mean the whole thing about all those like big nature spe- spectacular s- stuff that is described kind of mm-hmm. i guess is probably kind of a a direct like counter point towards the um god images uh, of the neighboring um cultures that mm, yeah. God has always to be portrayed portrayed as kind of um uh really like destructive or
0: uh, yeah scary powerful
1: yeah yeah and that the real power of God is that God can allow God's self to be small yeah, because yeah because there's no need to demonstrate like muscular strengths or toxic masculinity or any of that right but 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 when when you say frail basically what god is mimicking or masking Mm. is elijah yes because elijah is frail and elijah is broken and worn out and at the end of of his capacity and God is mirroring that. Yes. God is kind of, kind of let me f- let me go into empathy mode and let me kind of mirror that.
0: Yeah, like you, like you feel so vulnerable right now. Yeah. What you need is not a big hulking God. You need you like I will put on frailty with you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that it's not. It's not something fake. It's not God putting on kind of a forced mask. Right. That um doesn't belong to like God's
0: like true self, I guess.
1: Eigenschaften. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's something God can choose like from a wide selection. Right. <laughs> of, yeah, and and that's that what we've the thing that we've been been discussing uh, last days was this idea of this, this, this difference for autistic people of when am I forced to mask and when am I choosing to mask? Right. And that there are moments when we, we force God to mask, when we project stuff, when we project imagery or make idols or kind of have the white, old, white bearded man on a cloud yeah. image of God. And that can be helpful sometimes or for some people but if that's the ultimate powerful image yes. that is a dominant image that suppresses all other images then we force god to mask for yeah. our comfort or for the comfort of the for the comfort of the
0: the powerful on usually
1: yeah yeah the, the the privileged and non-marginalized when we realize other people find comfort in other images of god and we get uncomfortable with that mm. then we force other people to like we force God to mask and we force our our mask God onto other people yeah and that when God is free to re- reveal God's self to humans to us then God can freely choose to be frail be childish be sad be um, silly or be um
0: yeah yeah
1: be passionate or compassionate Mm. and be all those things that God is Mm -hmm. but I have this idea of of God being kind of this this endless bag of um stuff and our perception is like this small tube yeah (laughs) yeah and uh if you empty that bag will we'll kind of get, all get stuck and yeah. nothing gets through. And... Our
0: brains will explode. We can't yeah, handle yeah. it.
1: <laughs> and it won't make any sense because what, when I, when God reveals God's self to, to us, to humans, then it has to be kind of in that um, differentiated situation or in that yes. context. Yeah. And that's okay. That doesn't mean there's something missing of God right? or there's something cut off, yeah. but it's kind of...
0: Or fake either, that God is...
1: No, no yeah. no, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's just God picking from many options for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that doesn't diminish God's greatness or power or anything. And because God chose Elijah, see, I don't need to be. Maybe it's also like, uh, you don't need to be like that all the time, too, Elijah. You don't need to be raging yeah. and furious and that. Yeah. So let's just take some time to be. This, this frail voice and that's okay. And you don't need to be scared of your frailty and see, I'm frail too. There's no, nothing to it.
0: That actually works really well. If you, if you know how the, the chapters leading up to this story were Elijah, what is he doing? Like with the, with the priests of Baal, of Baal, Baal, um, they are like our god can light a fire like on wet wood or whatever the heck and so elijah is being loud and powerful in response to their idea of god as loud and powerful and calls god down and god does god's like okay yeah i'll be i'll be the lightning flash and the huge flame but i'm also like god is that and god is rushing wind when god needs to be and but but yeah like god is also the fragile yeah um, vulnerable, small, quiet whisper. Like, like, God is all the things at once and beyond all of them, even when God is only showing us one piece of God's face at a time.
1: I really like this this nurturing idea of let's tend to your needs, Elijah. Let's kind of, yeah. first of all, kind of, yeah, have you napped? Have you, like, uh, I, I like this meme where it says, um, when you think everyone hates you, take a nap.
0: Yeah. And when, and when you, you think hate you everyone, hate everyone,
1: eat something. Have a snack. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the, uh, yes. that might actually not be objectively true. You just need kind of, you have some physical needs. Mm. Let's address those. Yes. And then, like, let's address your emotional needs. Or even physically, it's like kind of your spiritual needs of reorientating and like grounding yourself. Are you how are you like it's okay to admit that this has worn you out and this has completely
0: Yeah.
1: Uh cost you all all of your energy and let's let's address that and that's Yeah. That's okay. That's
0: and like you're not alone through it. Like God being like, Look, I see how frail you feel here, I'll be I'll join you in that. Yeah. I'll join you in that feeling. Yeah. And then, and then I'll send you out because then you'll be ready to return. Yeah. If you like what you heard... want to hear more, head on over to Laura's podcast to listen to our full conversation, where we go on to talk about Jesus's earnest desire for his friends to truly know and understand him, even while he learns to develop healthy boundaries with the general crowds in his ministry. If you Google Autistic Liberation Theology, you'll find everywhere that you can listen to Laura's show, including on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, or go straight to anchor.fm slash laurasummer, that's Laura hyphen S-O-M-M-E-R, for links to everywhere that you can listen. And once you've listened to our episode on there, which is titled Toxic Masculinity, be sure to listen to the other episodes too. They're all amazing. My personal favorites are Donkey Business and Like a Bridge Over Troubled Water. I think that about wraps things up. Except to say that if you want to reach out to me with feedback or questions or to express interest in coming on the show or just to chat, feel free to do so at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com or at any of the places you can find me on social media. Other than that, see you all at the end of the month, and in the meantime, go break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with your life.